Dimitri Downing back here with Destiny Blanco at Emerald and uh, enjoying an, a wonderful day of meeting such high caliber individuals. We just interviewed Wes Burke uh, and we're trying to figure he's about to give birth to something and we don't we don't know what it is. It's probably not another, a child. Another Emerald baby. Uh, in today's world, maybe it could be a child, but the man is on fire. And so that was very exciting. But now we've got another cool individual who actually is a friend of Wes, uh, Dr. Marcus Rogan. Thank you very much for having me. Did, did I put... Your, yes, your yeah, voice. close enough. So you, I'm you had me, you had me at hello with your voice. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm German, so you roll all the R. So it would be Markus Roggen, uh, but I've been now in the U.S. for so long, or North America for so long that anything in that vicinity is good enough. Doctor Markus Roggen. Roggen. How long have you been in the United States? Uh, I came here for my postdoc, uh, December 2012, um, and I've been in North America since. Uh, I specify North America because I moved to Canada um, end of 2018. Where'd you so do about you, four years ago. Where did you do your doctorate? I did my PhD in chemistry at ETH Zurich in Switzerland. In Switzerland. Wow. That, I just, I, I'm impressed already. And, and I, I'd, I'd already, I just met you. What, what year were you born? May I ask that? That's because I'm, I'm 83. 83. So you're so, seven years old when the wall came down. Yes, and I can remember it. You so got to tell me I, your wall I, story. I, I'm a I'm a big freedom guy. The cannabis <laughs> spirit, the cannabis industry is all about freedom. Okay. So you got to talk about the wall. Okay, so I was six, no seven. I was seven. I was seven by the time it. No, yeah, I was. Oh, it yeah. came down in ninety eight. Nineteen eighty nine or ninety. Uh, Eighty nine when it fell, and then in ninety was the reunification. So I was like six. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember I was sitting on the floor in front of the television watching the news with my family and I was like, that's important. Remember that. Yeah. Like, yeah. But that's like this little blip that I can remember. But obviously I was only six at the time. So. Were you east or west? Uh, I'm from as far west as possible. I'm yeah. from Dusseldorf. That's near the Dutch okay. border. Dusseldorf. Okay. I, I've been through Dusseldorf a long, long time ago. Well, we were in Berlin last June and we'll be back there again in this June as well. With this podcast, so uh, ICBC, ICBC, yeah. ICBC. Were you at the last ICBC? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good show. There's a lot of interesting professionals there. And yeah, I, I hear good things. Uh, I have not yet managed to uh, be accepted there as a speaker, and uh, then making the track over is a bit, bit of an effort. I now live in Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver's nice. So it's a far. So. Light. Tell us about uh, your journey into the cannabis space. Your, you said your postdoc was 2012. And uh, what, how did you get involved in cannabis? Yeah, so I'm, I'm an organic chemist by training. My PhD was in organic chemistry, postdoc in physical organic chemistry. And it was in the U.S. that I the first time learned about that there's an alternative to either be a professor or work for a pharma company. There's a third option, and that was science startups and san diego is where i was here for my postdoc is this place for biotech startups and then serendipitously um, cannabis was just recreational legalized in colorado and washington okay the 2013-14 yeah and uh, it came about that a california company was looking for a chemist to build a testing laboratory and i was like startup Cannabis, sure, let's see. Yeah. And so that's how I fell into it. What's wrong? You okay? 
and uh, yeah, I randomly fell into it. Um, I continued in building this testing lab for a while, and then I was recruited over to production, and I was working for a cannabis producer here in San Diego. So they had you testing the cannabis, not producing products. No, no, initially, it was just testing. Just testing. Yeah. What were you so, testing it for? Um, so cannabinoids, pesticides, mm-hmm. uh, terpenes. So the, the normal compliance safety well, testing that you now do. A, and so it, you were working for a testing company, not a production company. You were, it was a testing company. Yes. So initially that was a testing company. And then, then I changed jobs two years later for a production company. Okay. And then I was in production. So now, now I had to make it. Right. Um, well, what, well, what year were you, did you start production? Uh, I started production uh, mid of 2016. And was it for like a, a, manu- a manufacturer, a cultivator, a, a brand that yeah. we'd recognize? Or it's uh, it, it, the company's called Outco. Um, yeah. They are in the uh, east side of uh, San Diego, and uh, they are virtually integrated and had a micro business license. Okay. Um, they they did their own cultivation. They did extraction production they had a store and they they sold to southern california stores as well so they were asking you to figure out the extraction and and manufacturing basically okay we just set up cultivation we now have all this cannabis make vapes (laughs) nice and i was like okay let's figure it out yeah so this let's figure out it's actually quite important aspect of my my move through the cannabis world maybe that should be the title of your book Figure it out. Figure it write book. that down. Uh, I have a few other t- uh, titles uh, <laughs> that must not be shared um, on air. The, the question for me was, okay, cannabis is a plant. There are oils in there. How do we get them out? What's the solubility of cannabinoids in, in the solvent you choose? Uh, what's the best conditions? And it was to my surprise that at the time, there was very little information or literature of how to extract. Mm-hmm. Um, what solubilities are, what stability of compounds was. And so I enjoyed the aspect of actually figuring out the fundamentals of production way more than production. So I liked figuring out how to make it, but then I didn't enjoy so much continue making it the same way every mm. day, um, which is an important aspect of cannabis production or right. general production, right? You consistency, want consistency. Yeah. Um, but that is a skill that um, I don't enjoy as much. And I just like, okay, we now made oil. How do we make better oil? Or how do we now store it better? Or what's a better vape formulation and so on? So I was working for this production company and I'd done the initial research to set it up. And now we had a nice production and everything was going well. And I was like, I'm bored. How can I continue doing more research? And how can I help the cannabis industry? Um, not just my producer, but how do I help more people or more companies with this? And so I had to set up a research laboratory. And you can't do that in the US because it's federally illegal and it's really difficult to work with the universities on this. So I moved to Canada where it was federally legalized uh, in mid of 2018 okay. for recreational use. And by January 2019, I set set up shop in Vancouver next to the University of British Columbia. We had a licensed research laboratory to do cannabis research or chemistry focused. So now we can focus at questions. Okay, you have an extractor. You make your oil. 
but how do you squeeze more oil out of the plant or how do you reduce the time <coughs> or cost to make this so that you can be more efficient in your production? Uh, so then the question was, how do we solve it? Um, and there are different approaches and I don't really care about the exact approach. So I'm not like, oh, I have this toy. I help you now. It's more like, what's your problem? How do we solve it on the chemistry side? If it's a biological question, how to grow better, or if it's a marketing question, how to color the package better, I can't really help. But if it's a question that is somewhat related to chemistry, I can help. Right. Um, so we do extraction. Then we we developed analytical methods to to either find more compounds in the plant or to do the analytics cheaper and on-site. Well, one step is decarboxylation. You want to know when is that decarboxylation step done. I developed an instrument that's like that small. It costs a few thousand dollars. You put it next to your, your reactor, and in 30 seconds, you get an answer instead of taking a sample, shipping it off, waiting a week, and getting an answer. Who funds this research? Uh, the client that wants the solution. Okay. So if I can convince a cannabis producer that we can save costs in their production, then the fee they pay me is considerably lower than the waste they have every right. week with mm -hmm. the old method. It should be a win-win, but it often is a difficult sell as the executive teams don't understand that research, science, chemistry can investment. actually sell... Um, and I find reluctant extraction artists or head of extractions. It's yeah, like, I got know it all, it like, why do I need any help? When I find the current situation or discussion that cannabis is a CPG product not helpful mm. because in a CPG product, you know how to make it and your cost of production are tiny compared to your sales price. But in cannabis, to be honest, we don't yet know how to make it. And the sales price is only a little bit higher than your cost of production. So it's not yet a, CPD pro a CPG product. It is still a research thing. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I'm curious, what is your opinion on, on Delta 8? Pandora's box? <laughs> See? So... Yes, you can make the argument that Delta 8 has been found in the plant. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that is actually what the plant made or just an artifact of us analyzing the material. But while Delta 8 itself has an understood and controlled safety profile, mm -hmm. the way it is made by the cannabis industry players is not safe. We earlier today had a presentation by a scientist from the Waters Corporation that looked at Delta-8 products. And they not only found Delta-8, but they found eight other compounds that they have no idea what it is. Oh, no. So if the general public has chemophobia, being scared of chemical compounds, and the Cannabis industry is all about we are natural, we are healing plant, we are great and safe. Right. Then using battery acid on CBD isolate and then selling that as at a gas station 
is not the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think that is you can make the argument it's natural or it is plant derived. Um and it definitely would fall under the term of chemophobia because there's so much in there that has chemical comp- uh, names that uh, would scare everyone. That's interesting. So Delic Labs is your your location up in in, in British Columbia since 2019. Yeah. Are you? Can you work with companies from the United States and other countries just through like an IP process? Yes. So, but yeah. not. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're how, correct. Explain to me how that works. So we are in Canada because there I can handle the material. So side note, we are called Dalek Labs from Psychedelics because uh, my laboratory was acquired in 2021 by Dalek Corp. It's a public company, a company for psychedelics, uh, ketamine clinics, and now through the acquisition of us, Cannabis Research. And uh, so we hold research licenses for cannabis, but also psychedelic compounds. So LSD, MDMA, DMT, right. psilocybin, psilocin. So I have two safes, one safe full of cannabis, one safe full of mushrooms, <laughs> and we can do all the fun research. Uh, I love that. I'm a okay. huge mushroom enthusiast. Yeah. And so that's a completely different or another topic. There's lots of fun research to do as well. Yeah. Uh, but the industry is considerably smaller. Um, so, staying in cannabis, in Canada, cannabis is legal. And if other countries also have a legal setup for cannabis, then one can get the import and export licenses from the countries to ship material back and forth. Okay. But that's still time consuming, complicated. Right. And that excludes the US because it's federally illegal. Mm-hmm. So, it's not getting across the border one way or the other. But it doesn't have to because chemistry behaves universally the same. Right. We can do the chemistry in our lab and just send the information. So most of the deliverables we produce are just emails and PDFs. Um, they are not... We, we don't... As we are a research lab, we don't produce anything per se. I don't have to ship oil to anyone. Um, actually, all our oil goes into bleach and is destroyed at the end of the day. Well, that's sad. Uh, <laughs> we, okay. that, is the, that is our SOP method of destruction. Right. I, I know that some of my students that applied for the job were thinking we just smoke it all at the end of the day right. to get rid of it, but uh, that, that didn't happen, unfortunately. Well, that you ha- you haven't had a student like Destiny yet. I was like, I'll go to your office. I'll solve that problem for you. Sure, but we actually have a robot that smokes the joints for us. Really? And yes. so, but it just tests. It's a testing thing, right? Yeah. AI, so, so AI smoker. Uh, so we have a we have smoke cycle simulator. It's the machine called. It comes from the tobacco industry. So there's so much testing of what goes into a cannabis product, but no one really looks at what comes out. Right. So if you make a vape card or you make a joint, you know what's in the flour or in the oil. But you don't actually know what is inhaled. So we wanted to know how much THC do you inhale when you pull at a vape card or yeah. a joint? Yeah. How much? Have a guess. So um, you have a vape card that is 90% THC okay. or you have a joint, let's say 20% THC. Which product gives you more THC per puff? I'd say the joint. 
Why? Because it's it's the it's the pure plant. It's it's the plant. It's the the flower that you're ingesting. When you are smoking, you know, a vape, you're ingesting other stuff that is added. You know, uh, I don't know the exact stuff, but you know, some companies been in, got in trouble for what putting vitamin E. Yeah, vitamin E acetate. Yeah, we 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 had a lecture about this yeah. just just now. Um, so no, I'm it's sure actually the same. It. It's actually. Funnily enough, it's about the same. You inhale about a milligram of THC per puff. Milligram. But it becomes a bit more complicated from there. So in a vape cartridge, because it's a homogeneous oil, so it's oil, it's all the same, every puff is about the same until the hardware dies off at the end. So you get like 400 puffs out of a vape card, so like the at the end, the last 50 puffs, the hardware is slowly dying. Mm-hmm. Depending on which hardware type you have and which oil, so it's, again, a little bit more complicated. But in general, you're like about the same, a milligram every puff. For a joint, you start off with half a milligram, and then by the end of the joint, so the roach, the last little bit, you get like one and a half milligrams per puff. So all the fun is actually at the end of the joint. And, and because ev- all of the, the resin has been going throughout, throughout the joint. Right, because the, the THC is pulled into the aerosols or little air dro- oil droplets. Uh-huh. And then they deposit at the flower again later on. Hmm. That's actually one of the things that I base if my, if my joint is, is good or not. If I don't have that little resin, the resin uh, ring... You know, I'm like, hmm, questionable. Yeah, it wasn't enough oil in uh, cannabis in there. Yeah. Oh, cannabinoids in there, that's right. And so we have a machine that can now test this. And, and I don't have to believe in things anymore or th- uh, like imagine. I can actually measure stuff. And now we can go and, and make it better. Mm-hmm. People complain that a vape cartridge is not as good as a joint. But why? We can look at the profile of what is inhaled. And what else is a joint delivering to you except THC? Is there other other compounds that are of interest? And can we then make sure they make it into a vape card? See, what I would just what you just said kind of sparked something in my head was when you hit a vape, you hit the vape, and you know, yes, you, you fill it seven seconds later, right? And it's about a fifteen minute um, high. But then, if you hit a joint, you find yourself kind of high for the rest of the, you know. Four hours or something. Yeah, so then the question is, what other compound was in there uh, that you inhaled that was missing in the vape cartridge? Was it removed in the extraction process? Uh, Or it was never extracted in the first place? Or was the processing that killed it? So by us understanding what a vape does, what a joint does, how they behave, we can maybe make a better vape. Mm -hmm. But we can also make a better joint. So... Uh, this guy's this guy's dangerous. I have I have I have a I have a toy. I do use it, right? Uh. So we have a va- we have a smoking machine. We have joints. So now the question was: Does the particle size of the cannabis make a difference? Because some people say, "Oh, I like my hand ground," or like everyone does slightly right. different how they make the joints. So we mm-hmm. wanted to know. We can quantify this now. So we went and. We we cut up cannabis flour in different sizes, so one millimeter and five millimeter, so like small and large particles. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we filled the joints, same like same flour, just different particle size. And when you have the small particle size joint, one for millimeter, our listeners, you know, Chicago style versus grounded up. <laughs> right. Um, you actually inhale double the amount of THC per puff from a small particle than if you would smoke a large particle. Really? At the beginning. Mm. 
So the first few puffs, you get way more THC out of a small particle one than a large particle. Later on, it all evens out and you get about the same per puff. But a small particle joint burns quicker than a large particle mm -hmm. joint. That's right. So if you want a dog walker and you have like five minutes to get through a joint, small particles, right? Mm -hmm. Burns quicker, you get, you get all the THC very quickly. But if you want something for the evening or to slow share burn. with friends, a slow burner, large particles. But you're not getting as high. And you get, you get more puffs out of it. Mm -hmm. So you can share it better. So, yeah. um, but you wouldn't have known if you didn't measure it. So like, these are the research questions that I enjoy. Like, it's this, this border between like, funky science, but also better quality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, I, I just I, I keep thinking to myself, one day like Nabisco is going to hire you and just say, Sarah, we want you to take whatever's out there that you've probably helped in some capacity develop already and take it one step further. Yeah. And so I, I, I would say... It's that restless, <laughs> that restless spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I might get bored quickly, so I have to like do something else. <laughs> no, no, that's want. okay. It's a problem that men have. <laughs> we have it. Thanks for admitting that. No, it's a, we just do that. Oh, I, I know a lot of dr a very driven female researchers. Well, I, I wouldn't call it driven. I mean, uh, yeah, that, I'm, the negative part of it is, is what I'm... Don't, don't worry about me. Um, so, so basically, he wants to say he has no self-control. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't mind me. I just, I just, I'm, anyways, back to what you were saying. Because, I mean, this is... You know, I, I think to myself, if I had a cannabis company... Uh, and I'm manufacturing products, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I can bring this guy on board. Mm -hmm. But you must be working with a number of different companies and you just kind of... So we work with, with a host of companies from different countries, like I have clients in Europe, Australia, North, South Africa, uh, South America, uh, North America, so US and Canada. Mm -hmm. And just to be fair, I try, when I do research projects, I try to keep one research project to one company. I, I don't want to sell the same work to multiple people. It would be really good for me economically, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's fair. Like right. if, if someone wants something specifically developed for them, then I will develop it for them. Mm -hmm. And that's then their IP. Because if they pay me for the work, it's their product. It, it's their knowledge. It's not mine to give away again. But uh, to just follow up on this, in cannabis, 50% of the sales are flower or joints. Right. Or pre-rolls. Um, the other 50% are vapes, drinks, edibles, and all that together. Nips, yeah. yeah. And pre-rolls grow double the rate than the cannabis sales itself. So if cannabis sales grow 20% year over year, pre-roll sales grow by 40% year over year. And in that, the fastest growing segment are infused pre-rolls. So... Mm -hmm. People want to smoke flour, they want to smoke it easy in a pre-roll and don't do it themselves, and they definitely want a better pre-roll because they're buying infused. If an mm -hmm. infused pre-roll is actually better, is another question, but they want something more than just the standard boring stuff. So if that is where the money is, why don't we put effort into making this? And if my work already showed that different particle sizes have different effect on the joint, then a weed whacker as your mill won't cut it. Well, actually, it does cut, but it like doesn't cut it right. Yeah. So, 
yeah, put some effort into your material. Like yeah, it's definitely. not just weed. It's you're making a good product, so right. put effort in it. And you know, that's what I, I agree with you. Pre rolls are are huge part of the you know the industry, and and what upsets me now is you know these dispensaries result to just putting their trim in the pre rolls. Yeah, so I look. Quality. I work for a vertically integrated company. Yeah, I've seen the it. The quality is definitely what what matters the most. But I, I now that you say you know the little the smaller the the product is now I know why that you know the trim is just so grounded up so so small. And and often it's drier, so that burns yep. quicker as well. So the water content has also an effect on your joint. Mm-hmm. There are so many different aspects to it. And in the end, it doesn't really matter what cool things you did to it. The consumer needs to enjoy it. And for a producer, it needs to be economically right. doable, right? It needs to be cheap to produce and have a high-value product in the end. And... You can't just think, oh, it's cannabis, it will sell itself. Because mm-hmm. if we look at a market that grows 20% year over year, but 95% of California companies are not making money, like, how does everyone fail in a growing industry? Like, how does that happen? Well, I mean, there's a lot of other factors as well, but um, we're trying to keep these for about 20, 25 minutes. And you're an absolutely fascinating interview. And uh, I didn't even notice we got up to 25. Um, can you do the the same level of level of analysis and the same science with gummies? Are you doing that as well? I could. I haven't yet done it. So obviously, gummies don't smoke well on the right. machine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey AI, eat this. Because <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Of, I have a couple of friends' companies that I think could use your help in in refining their product and so their the gummies. Gum, gummy side would then be the question: like, how do they behave in ingestion? Right. How do they behave in the digestive tract? Like, how do they are? How are they digested? How are they taken up by the body? Um, can we do tricks to ensure that the delivery of cannabinoids to the body goes seamlessly, quickly? That we don't have this massive delay in onset? Can we speed that up? Um, and that's the advantage of being at a university. I can find any expert we need for this and collaborate with them. So um, I've talked with a professor in the pharmacy department about um, transdermal tr- um, delivery of cannabinoids yeah. and right. how we would do this and, and what pig skin uh, or human skin we would need and what a simulated fluid would, would use on like testing how that goes through the skin. Exactly. So and something like that too is, is that matter with the, because it's a body. So the body weight, the body fat of the individual, same with yeah, edibles. Right. So... As you said, body fat. So fat. Um, cannabinoids have a pretty bad uptake in the system. Uh, so if you ingest uh, cannabinoids, like CBD, you maybe take in, like if you take a CBD tincture, mm-hmm. you maybe take up 20% of the CBD you, you ingested. Um, but if you eat fatty food with it, you increase the uptake. And if you, if you like diet while you take it, you take up less CBD. Mm-hmm. So that comes then, can you then formulate that into your product to already bring that like fat that helps with the delivery? Or can you use other things like nanotechnology, so nano emulsions, so make little droplets of CBD that go th- quicker through the intestines wall? I wonder if somebody did this kind of scientific research around my Diet Coke. That's why, that's why I why like it so, so much. <laughs> they made it perfect. So, so in, the, in the food industry, the, <coughs> these 
highly processed foods in North America, they have really fine-tuned them. That's like the right amount of, of every ingredient. Like they don't, they want to give you sweetness, so sugar, but putting more sugar in doesn't make it, at some point it doesn't make it more sweet, right. but your ingredient costs go up. So if you, re, if you find the right level that you just give enough sweetness for the enjoyment, but you save on your ingredients, you, you, you save money in production. Yeah. But you still get the full sales value. This so is this is it, it, other it, industries think about their boring products really really hard. Yeah, and and our industry is not thinking about their interesting products. Well, they will once you get your hands on all of them, and I I admire that, I respect that, and I would uh, anybody who's watching this who's connected to a brand, you know, or, or a product that's manufactured should be reaching out to you and your organization and saying, hey. What can you do potentially to help us evolve this and take it to the next level, which is yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do need to wrap it up, and um, it's been an absolute honor. Will we see you uh, again soon in in Berlin in the June ICBC? So um, I will be here presenting tomorrow um, about the exciting topic of pool testing for heavy metal analysis. Yeah. So how can testing labs save on their testing? and yeah. still offer good quality res- uh, testing for a cheaper price and a faster turnaround to the producer so that right. they can test more and have less failure. That's a huge deal in Arizona, the turnaround. Yeah. Uh, and I will also talk about syn- synthesis of cannabinoids. So how do we make cannabinoids from scratch synthetically and don't need a plant? Uh, because some some jurisdictions don't like the plant. Right. So um, And then I will be in Florida at CanMed. Um, and otherwise, I haven't yet... Uh, plant my travel schedule. Right. Um, if people ask me nicely, I'm happy to come. And uh, like, we have so many different research topics. Um, I don't even talk about the same thing uh, more than twice. Normally, I only lecture on it once, and then I go on to the next research project. Well, we're definitely going to stay in touch because you are a wealth of knowledge, and I, I know a lot of people, and people are always looking for something. And I feel as if I found another expert that I can refer people to. So mm-hmm. it was really great meeting you. Thank and, you very much. Uh, yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you. It's awesome. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate I, your time. Thank you. Mad respect for my Germans ever since you guys killed it in philosophy <laughs> and the Winter Olympics. Uh, just kidding. Thank you very much for pointing this out. Yes. I, I lived in England for a bit. They pointed other defeats out. Yes. Um, so thank you. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I used to. I can be the same way, but you have to respect the German culture and the German people are just filled with uh, just such a high level of excellence. It's incredible. Well, we had our low points, but I think we learned from mistakes. Got a little cocky. Got co- a little cocky a couple times in the last century, but, you know, this, that happens. That happens. It's an incredible, incredible people. Um, incredible work ethic. Incredible mindset. Um, not that I want to generalize about all German people, because I'm sure you... There's a bunch of people in Germany that are, but like, not. You know what I just learned about Germany is, is you guys aren't, they aren't allowed to brand cannabis. So what they do is they, they use a, a logo, like a bunny holding like a, a that, that would be the strain. Cannabis is not yet legalized recreational. They are thinking about it, how they set up the regulations. And one of that would be very similar to tobacco products. You can't brand them. You can't advertise right. them. So, um, but it's not yet finalized. Um, but yeah, it's probably not the way you advertise for normal food products. Mm-hmm. More like tobacco. It's a little nonchalant over there. 
That's well, interesting. We definitely look forward to meeting you again and having you on a future episode of Meet Unshackled. You're an absolutely amazing, amazing individual with a tremendous future in the cannabis space. And I think everyone would be smart to reach out with you, reach out to you and work with Delic Labs, uh, figure out if there's some sort of uh, partnership to be had. So thank you for joining us on thank you very much Meet Unshackled. Me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was another episode of Meet Unshackled. <laughs>